welcome back to Real Perspective, the podcast based on a YouTube channel, based on a podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. And Michael Morey. And it's just us this week. Uh, we are talking about uh, No Time to Die, which is the latest James Bond film starring Daniel Craig and the last James Bond film starring Daniel Craig, um, written by Purvis and Wade still, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, um, yep, with a little bit of an assist from phoebe walter bridge as well oh yeah yeah, yeah. phoebe walter bridge contributed some stuff to it and then carrie joji fukunaga uh directed it the guy who made season one of true detective and sin nombre which i didn't know i like that movie quite a bit i had no idea until i looked it up like right before we started recording oh. uh, yep i had to watch it for class i think i had to watch it for i think for a class that i took anyway pretty good movie uh i just didn't know it was him uh i thought his first movie was beasts of no nation um the netflix movie which i did not mm. Uh, um, <laughs> but this finds uh james bond uh retired with uh lady whose name i don't remember <laughs> madeline madeline swan yeah madeline yeah, swan the most forgettable bond girl who yeah. happens to be his love interest for, for the last two movies two yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so he's retired and and enjoying his retirement and she brings him to the grave of vesper uh from so they're trying to connect all all five of them which they've never done before um and it turns out to be a specter plot and he thinks madeline betrayed her and then felix Leiter shows up and uh is like hey we have a lead on some guy who's doing some stuff <laughs> <laughs> with the nano machines yeah yeah nanobots uh and so he infiltrates a Spectre party where all of Spectre gets murdered. Um, and then uh, the guy from Overlord betrays them and uh, kills Felix. And then they go after Rami Malek, who is the one behind this bioweapon. And uh, he reconciles with Madeline. And there's a big showdown at the end. And then he dies. No, that's the movie. <laughs> that's, <Yep. laughs> pretty much no time to die um <laughs> and somehow that's two hours and 45 minutes two hours and four this is a long movie yeah yeah a long movie you get to see james bond brush his teeth <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of scenes in that movie just feel like uh they could have been shortened down by a bit it's very <laughs> indulgent like if i was editing that thing like there were some parts where someone was like handing like a letter or something over to somebody and like any of the movie like would have just like cut like the slow movement of the letter and just have it like already be in someone's hand and it was like you had to watch like each agonizing second of the letter being transferred over just like okay guys like i get it like let's move it on <laughs> yeah just a little bit yeah it is i feel like in a lot of ways this was the most james bond james bond movie that daniel craig was in Yes, I would agree with that. I mean, outside of like the ending itself being kind of like unbond like with right. regards to you know his survival. Um right, right, right. <laughs> it probably it probably like gets the closest to being James Bondian in its structure. Yes. Yeah, it's just like they they so one of the things they did in the film is that they spent obviously they want to spend a lot of time with Craig because he's I would say arguably the the most popular James Bond ever. He, you know, his Casino Royale like single-handedly revived interest in that franchise. Like it was, yeah, it was, everyone expected that to be DOA. And then it really surprised a lot of people and people really connected with it. And um, mm -hmm. I think by and large people, like people really like Skyfall. So he's like, and people tend to be really mm -hmm. liking this. So like three out of five of his movies are pretty beloved within the, the bond canon. Um, I know it's probably too soon to tell, uh, yeah. on this one, just, there's a lot of, you know, obviously new hype surrounding it. So either way, like they, they really wanted to make it a big, like send off for him. So you spend a lot of time with bond, but you also spend a lot of time with movie, <laughs> um, because yeah. it's two hours and 45 minutes, but it, in a way that is very James Bond. Uh, this is the longest mm. James Bond, but, a lot of them feel like they're three hours long. This is true. Yeah. A lot of and, those Sean Connery ones. Yeah, definitely do. Yeah. yeah. Thunderball. Thunderball feels like that movie takes days to watch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. He is slow. But, like, a lot of the stuff is shots of people being very British and, like, very deliberate. Yes. Yes. Which you get a lot uh, of this movie. So, Mike, it, overall, yes. what did you think of, of No Time to Die? Um, I'm a little conflicted on it. There are things I liked. Uh, there are things I didn't like. Um, I did not feel as strongly about the ending, you know, specifically him dying as I mm-hmm. wanted to feel. Because I, I do think that's like a bold choice. Like, yeah. I think um, to go and do that, to make such like a definitive end for his character, this iconic character who's now been in, you know, 20 plus movies and who's never died in any other incarnation is definitely um, an interesting choice. And I actually do support it as a way of closing the book on this continuity for the character, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure the rest of the movie really supports the ending. Uh, And it could have been structured differently to make this feel like more of a send off. I mean, I know, I know I'm kind of contradicting what you said previously, which is that a lot of this movie is serving as like a goodbye to Daniel Craig but I'm not sure it like lends support itself to killing the character off. It's like a, a good send off maybe for Daniel Craig, but not a good send off for like the character dying in that sense. Um, and in general, I just feel like the story itself has obviously a lot of holes as Bond movies tend to do. I mean, I'm not yeah. saying this is unique in any sense, but there is just a lot of things in it that made me feel like this thing could have had one more pass or another pass at the yeah. script. Uh, there's a lot of sloppy connections being made or like you, you get the intent behind them. And I think the intent is solid, but I'm not sure it quite adds up in, in the way that I wanted it to in terms of execution. So I'm a little disappointed. I didn't hate it, but I also didn't love it. Yeah, I liked it. I liked the movie and I will probably watch it again. I'm very interested because With the exception of Casino Royale, I have only seen every other Craig Bond one time. And Mm. so when this comes out, I might take a weekend and watch all of them. Because one of the things I have a problem with is I think it was dumb as hell to connect all five of these movies. (laughs) Um, Yeah. That said, I think uh, something that that and it was funny because like going into it, I was kind of like, all right, are we going to talk about? No time to die. Like not not just you and I, but just like the 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 discourse in general. Is it gonna be something akin to you know like when Last Jedi came out? Like is it gonna be really like acerbic and stuff? And like you know, yeah. especially as someone who's like middle of the road on kind of both of these movies, I was like, am I gonna be kind of a man without a country on that again? And mm. uh, it it wasn't really. If anything, I think that this movie can draw more comparisons to rise of skywalker it not in the sense that it's as bad as that movie um but in the sense that this was actually i think a very good attempt um to play the hand they were dealt like Mm. they didn't they didn't and i appreciate that part of it like i appreciate like you said the intent behind it is really solid i think yes Um, which is to connect all of this like they they were like if we're gonna Mm. do this let's do it and and i right would have much rather the Rise of Skywalker did that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so so I appreciated a lot of that, especially because I felt like, with the exception of not really remembering who Madeline's dad is, uh, <laughs> I, I felt like I didn't really need to revisit all of those. Like, I got enough from just kind of my memory of the key plot points over the course of the previous four. So that I think they did a good job of, like, meaning or like attempting to there was an attempt to meaningfully (laughs) connect all five of these films while also not super duper alienating people who have not seen all of the craig movies multiple times that said you should probably watch all of them at least once before you see this one but i'm fine with that yeah Um, yeah no i agree you know um i they tried to work within the confines of the goal they set out for themselves, which is that mm-hmm. all these movies are going to be connected. And mm-hmm. to that degree, I think, you know, that's an admirable goal. It may not be one that really works. I mean, I like the idea behind it, even when quantum of solace went and basically continued right from the ending of casino Royale. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the issue with it is ultimately that Daniel Craig's tenure was starting what in 2006. Yeah. And here we are in you know 2021. It's, it's 15 years into this, 
And that is a big ask for a lot of people to like remember everything that's happened over 15 years. I mean, for you yeah. and me, that's half of our lives. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and like I remember a lot of the details pretty intricately, but uh, I, I just remember talking to my dad after seeing this one. Um, he was like, wait, like Madeline Swan was in the last one? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, like Spectre took place six years ago now. And granted, like, did it really? This movie was originally, yes. Yeah, it came out in 2015. Like, and, you know, like, I know that obviously COVID pushed this back. And, and in fact, even before COVID happened, this movie got pushed back because I think Daniel Craig got injured on set. Yes, um, right. So, I mean, this was like actually two years after when it was originally even supposed to be released, the first time I set a date for it. But, um, you know, it, it's a little hard to go and tell an interconnected story over 15 years. And that, I think that kind of hurts it a bit. That being said, you know, I think they did about as well as they could considering the, you know, relative quality of some of those entries in yeah. the five film saga. Um, and I agree with you, like, they did as good as they could, given, I think, some of the plot points that they've set up in the past movies. Yeah, like, you know, and and it didn't, it didn't trot out a bunch of stuff from those movies. Like, there's one scene with Blofeld, and it's an extended scene. It's a long scene. It's, it's too long. But yeah. um, he's yeah. not, like, a major player in the movie, and he dies at the end of the scene. Like, and I appreciated that to, like... Uh, you know, once again, to play that hand that they were dealt with it. And there were, there were, you know, there was a little bit of a loose end with him based on the Inspector, from what mm. I remember. Um, so right. it, it did feel like there was a finality to it that I liked. Um, mm -hmm. And I liked that, like, like, I liked that it was a movie that ha it felt like it made hard decisions and it made those decisions and stuck to them. And I appreciated that, especially based on the way, not just Star Wars, but a lot of these franchises go. Um, right. I, I really appreciate that. Like, I am very much the guy who is like, they should have died. Like, you, I'm sure you've heard me say that on right. the podcast. Mm -hmm. Really, it's going one way, and then inevitably, whether today says ex machina or not, like yeah. they won't kill someone. And like, I appreciated that they they committed to it in. This oh yeah. Movie. So for especially sure. for like something like James Bond, um, it gets mm. a little goofy that they slapped a James Bond will return at the end of the credits of this, but okay. Yeah. yeah it's a little bit like a lack of confidence there. <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, I, I understand like why they did it, but they should have just let this movie speak for itself too. Yeah, I agree. And also like, I don't need another James Bond movie, I think. Like, I had this realization while I was watching it where I was like, I like these movies and I like a lot of these movies. And, mm -hmm. um, I don't like a lot of these movies because there's 25 of them. So, <laughs> yeah. um, like, but the ones I like, I really like. Like, there's some of my favorite, like, spy movies or some of my favorite action movies. Mm -hmm. That said, I don't know that I'm getting anything, especially these days from James Bond, that I'm not getting the same or better from mission impossible or john wick um, i agree with you even just even some of the out. better entries in the fast and furious movies like mm -hmm. yeah I, I do feel like we're approaching more and more of the point where bond really is irrelevant and i think basically casino royale is the last real innovation of the franchise which yeah. was you know ushering in the age of reboots um and kind of gritty takes on characters or origin stories i mean that was before was that before Batman Begins? No, Batman was Begins was 2004. Begins, 2005. 2005. And then this mm. Casino Royale was 2006. So mm. still, those two together were very much ushering in at the gritty, dark reboot era. Yeah. And that was, I mean, now we're, like we said before, 15 years after that. And I'm not really sure what else they've brought to the table since then. I mean, maybe serialized storytelling to the Bond is new, mm -hmm. but you know, maybe not to other sequels, um, which, you know, generally do build upon the previous one. Um, so, yeah, I, I honestly feel like after this one, the formula has gotten a little tired. Um, and unless they just do a real hard shift into some kind of different way of tone or telling the story or something like that. I, I mean, I, I think I've seen my fellow villain layers and, um, yeah. you know, weird ass villains with you know they got scars or deformities or weird ways of talking or you know whatever yeah. it may be um it, it it's really feeling a little played out by now i have to yeah, say yeah i just I, yeah they got to do something different if they're gonna bring it back like i just don't like and this is someone like i said i liked the movie but at a certain point i was mm -hmm. like 
I'd rather be watching a John Wick or a Mission Impossible. Like, there's just, it's not doing anything. Yeah. Right. And you know what? What scene really reminded me of that was, you know, at the end of the movie, James Bond's going up the staircase to go Mm -hmm. and open up the blast doors or whatever. And there's kind of like a one take scene where he's in the stairway. And it's very John Wick reminiscent. But it sucks. Right. It's not like as good or as brutal (laughs) as John Wick can be. And, it's just like it kind of feels like your tired old grandpa version of John Wick. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, even though, like, I think you know, Keanu is not not too different in age from Daniel Craig. Is that I think he's older. older than Daniel Craig. Yeah, he, right. Yeah, he's older than Daniel Craig, and um, it, it just is like a little bit slower and more lumbering. But it, it kind of feels like the weight of the franchise is trying to like get into that John Wick like yeah. like lean and fit attitude, but it, it doesn't quite hit it and. I agree with you. Like, you know, none of the stunts in this were spectacular, something that Mission Impossible has done. Yeah. And it looked very good throughout, but it just like, ah. it wasn't like anything like too interesting or different uh, yeah, or I exciting. Thought, I thought the action scenes in this movie were garbage. I didn't like a single one of them, I think. Um, oh, well, that, I, that's the thing is, that I, I say that like it looked good, but I actually don't know if like it, cinematography looking good actually helped the action feel exciting. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I'm yeah. not sure if it was well choreographed. Oh, it wasn't because um, yeah. the the uh, the car chase was fine at the beginning. Um, that was pretty neat. I, that was probably my favorite part uh, yeah. until it did the thing with the guns in the in the square. Uh, I thought that was silly. Yeah, but that, silly. Uh, that one take action scene near the end is trash. It's so bad. Most of the people he's shooting are off screen. Yeah, right. It, it doesn't set up uh, who he's shooting at until eventually he does like shoot at them, and it's like oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, you don't have a very good sense of where people are geographically. Yeah. And that's something that John Wick obviously does very well. Yeah. Well, and what's crazy to me about that is that Kiri Joji Fukunaga did the first season of True Detective, which has an awesome one-take chase sequence. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, it, and that kind of problem occurs throughout where I feel like it's not just the action scenes, but the movie felt very inert to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's partially due to the length, but it, it didn't feel like it had like any like rising or falling like action a lot, even in the dialogue scenes. It's just like very much like one tone. It's very slow throughout. And, mm-hmm. and I, I just needed like a little bit more like life in it. And um, getting back to the ending, for example, it's indicative of some other parts of the movie, but um, the part where he like rescues, he goes into the base to go and rescue Madeline. And then he goes back to like bring her to the boat. And then he goes inside the base to go and open the blast doors. And then he goes back to like whatever. And then he has to go and open up the blast doors again. It was like so repetitive, like in yeah. like, like terms of like treading the same ground over and over again. It felt like a video game like fetch quest or something like that almost. Yeah. Uh so that said, there was one part that really stood out to me, and that was the scene mm-hmm. with Anna de Armas. Oh, yeah. That's what the movie came to life. All the Cuba yeah. stuff. Yes. Uh, yes yeah you want to go further into that yeah so uh so felix leiter comes to bond and is like hey we have this tip on a thing and we need you to go get the thing and look into it and you have to go to is it santiago chile uh Um, yeah and uh you know we uh we have someone we want you to meet out there and it's anandarmas and she's like she's playing paloma i think is her name um Mm. and she like meets him there and is like kind of this like bright-eyed bushy-tailed like new agent um Mm -hmm. and they go and crash the specter party and it's like goofy as shit but i loved it like it's like (laughs) like, it is like some austin powers level goofy like yeah throughout the, the the movie there's this guy with this like fake eye and in this scene, we realize that this eye is giving surveillance to Blofeld while he's in prison. But the way they do it is they're like walking the eye around on this like decorative pillow Flatter. so that he can see everything. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's his birthday party. So this is how he's at his birthday party. And like it does this thing, which uh, felt very James Bond and very great, where he like goes in the middle of the party and like, they like shove the eye in Bond's face and then the like the band stops and the spotlight just hits him and he's standing in the middle of a Spectre logo on the dance floor. And the whole time I was like, this is awesome. This is great. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> man when you put it that way the holy shit yeah that seems totally ridiculous <laughs> oh, it's insane i can't believe it. it's from a different movie man and then there's like yeah. there's a decent action sequence that follows that of them like chasing and like uh shooting people and like anna armist doing like uh martial arts and stuff and mm. i liked all of that like there's a really good energy to all of that and then anna yeah. leaves and it leaves the movie entirely yeah yeah exactly and for the life of me, I can't figure out why they like let, first of all, an actress of her caliber, but also just like that fun kind of sequence go instead of maybe have her come back later in the film. It's crazy to me that like they just let it disappear. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? what? What are you doing? <laughs> well, and like the, the other thing, too, is like everyone I've talked to is like, I want to know more about her because she's like she's a really magnetic performer. Um, mm-hmm. And like the way she brings that character to life is like really fun and like yeah and different and different and people want a spinoff with her and like barbara broccoli and michael wilson were like we're not doing that and it's like what the fuck why yeah i i don't get it man um yeah that scene is definitely i think the highlight of the film i mean now if you haven't seen it probably overselling it a bit but it's definitely um the, the most interesting part uh the part where you kind of feel like the most chemistry between Bond and a woman since yes. like Eva Green also. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you have to go back to like his supposed, you know, real love interest um, later in the film. It, it's just a very stark contrast. And I, and I think it makes the rest of the movie feel like a slog afterwards. Yeah. Cause it's such yeah. a highlight. Yeah. It's it, like, that's the part that I'm thinking about, you know, the most six days later, or four days later. Um, mm it's that part and like i just want to know more about that word. like i don't know it mm-hmm. it seemed cool and it's it's a cool character and i don't know why they've always been opposed to that stuff though too man like you know you want to complain about producers like james bond fans have had it way worse than star wars fans have had for way longer <laughs> i think um, oh yeah yeah that's you sure. know it just the, the broccoli's I, man they're so british you know <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah it's just such a british sensibility that they have to that and it's just not it's so outdated now you know like yeah, yeah. there is it's just too stuck in their ways man yeah it's so it's so stuffy and like mm-hmm. you know michael g wilson too like he's been he's been in there for a long time man and like yeah. that their whole way of doing stuff is so archaic and dumb and like one yeah. it's inefficient and two like they're constantly in financial trouble over it now. Yeah, uh, right. But like, why why didn't we get a million Felix Leiter movies with Jeffrey Wright? He was awesome in that role. Right, absolutely. Yeah, it, uh, there's just kind of like a lack of vision there. And then at the same time, like the good ideas that they have, which is like including them rebooting this series and kind of telling a continuous story. I mean, you can debate whether that was a good idea, but this is a bold right. idea. And then James Bond dying at the end those are actually pretty like good or interesting creative decisions yes and then but then they go and hang them on movies that are structurally just kind of the same old bond films like (laughs) yeah you know i mean 80 percent, 80 to 90 percent of this movie is like we were saying before just very much a bond film and then it's like packed on with like a bond dies at the end instead of escapes type Mm -hmm. ending and it's like, well, why don't you go and be like a little bit bolder with the structure of these things? You know, like this really need to play out like 90% of the Bonds film. If you're going to do something different at the very end, like make the whole thing kind of support that better. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know, man. I just don't, I don't get those two. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just think they're in a creative rut. Yeah. Well, and then too, like, I don't know if you saw what they were doing to critics, like, um, I don't know if you know who Mike Ryan is. Um, yeah, yeah. So he was scheduled to interview them, and mm. they were like, okay, you have to watch this two-hour documentary about James Bond before we do mm. the interview, in addition to seeing No Time to Die. Oh, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, so what, they can, like, understand, like, what it means to, uh, like, honor Bond or something? Yeah, something like that. So he watched it and he was like, good movie. I really like it. Um, And then he published his, so he, so he, about the documentary. So he published his No Time to Die review and was like, pretty good. I have no strong Mm. feelings about it either way. It's mostly good. Mm. And then they were like, oh, you didn't write a positive enough, positive enough review. We're pulling our interview. 
what? <laughs> so they just canceled on him the day it was supposed to happen after he had already watched No Time to Die, which is two hours and 45 minutes, plus a two hour documentary about the actors who portrayed James Bond. Yeah. I mean, the, the stuff isn't high art. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. It, I just, I think that they're really holding these movies back as well. Um, and you see glimmers of like what could be greatness and they admittedly are getting better and better directors attached to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but I mean, the other factor in all of this is the script writing, I think has just really let them down too. Um, yeah. it, it, they, they all seem to be following the same problems, these Purvis and Wade scripts. And this one especially like has some significant problems that maybe some other ones don't have. I mean, the villain is really weak in this one. I mean, Rami Malek is basically given nothing to do for a lot of he, it. He doesn't show up until an hour and 15 minutes. I checked my phone. Um, yeah. He doesn't show yeah. up until an hour and 15 minutes into the movie. <laughs> Besides the yeah. cold open. Right. Of course. Yeah. Um, that that is a long time to go and withhold the villain. And then he's maybe only got like really like two or three major scenes afterwards. Mm-hmm. It, he's just not given enough time either way. I mean, he could have been a great villain. I like I like some things about him conceptually, but you barely even get to know this guy before he's on the chopping block and about to die. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there was, uh, you know what? I am not a Rami Malek fan, but I thought he mm-hmm. did the best he could with what he had to do. With yeah. Not much. I thought he was pretty compelling as like a presence on screen. Mm-hmm. I like, yeah, I like I his look. I like the way he held, he carried himself. The physicality mm-hmm. of the performance was really like unsettling. His voice was yes. like weird and creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And but then he's failed totally by the script because his motivations are so damn confusing. Like, I don't even understand what he was trying to accomplish at the end of the movie besides just kill everybody. But like, why? I, I mean, I understood him trying to kill Spectre because, right. you know, obviously it's revealed that his family was killed because of Spectre or whatever. Um, right. but, but then how does that go and shift to him wanting to use this, these nanobots to go and kill the rest of humanity? And why is he obsessed with Madeline Swan? and her daughter but then why is he not really that obsessed about them because like he gets bit by the daughter and he's just like all right you can go now (laughs) yeah what what is even happening there so (laughs) the the motivation they set up is that like swan's dad was inspector and like he killed rami malik's entire family and so that's why he's obsessed with madeline like that's the thrust of the cold open but he like saved madeline's life when she was a child and then like He's coming back to like collect from her, but like we don't really know what that means in it, as far as his motivation goes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then like I don't even get why he has a beef with Bond other than Bond's trying to wreck his plans, obviously, but like enough to go and like give him a nano machine virus and make him not be able to see his like kid and girlfriend. Like I don't really get that motivation either. It, it just feels yeah. like it's underdeveloped. He's undercooked for sure. He gets one scene with Bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you right. look at Goldfinger, like Bond spends a quarter plus of that movie with Goldfinger, <laughs> if not fifty mm-hmm. percent of it. Right. Yeah. And, and a lot of it also depends on where you go and deploy that scene. Like if beyond just the very ending, I mean, maybe if he has one scene with Bond halfway through the film or something, at least like there's that. But this is talking like the last maybe 20 minutes of the film he talks mm-hmm. to Bond. It's crazy yeah. how much they withhold on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, and then also if you look at like Casino Royale, like look at how, look at how much time he spends with Lashif in that movie. Right. Yeah. And Lashif freaking dies before the last like 30 minutes are up. Even. Like, he's <laughs> yeah. more memorable, you know, it, it has a bigger effect. Um, yeah. Than, I mean, than, even, than, yeah. Even, uh, you know, for better or for worse, like, like the movies are not Blofeld and, uh, mm-hmm. uh Javier Bardem, like they get screen time with Bond really early in the right. movie for a long time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so yeah, he was really underserved um, by the script. And I get it. I think the script, this is the consequence of doing the, this is the tie up to five movies thing is that it takes so long to get like the, its own movies plot going. Cause this is just wrapping up loose ends from the other four first almost. Do you think they edited a lot of his motivation for global domination out because of COVID? That, you know, that's an interesting theory. Um, there's this rumor or elite script out there from like one of the first drafts and it made his motivation sound very different. Like 
they actually tried to go and explain why he's still young looking because that's something else that's weird about the opening is that like he's still the same age as he is in the present day even the openings like 20 years yes. before yeah <laughs> um yeah i guess like apparently and this you know is like on 4chan or something like that so who knows if it's true but um this was like leaked a couple of years ago so before anybody had any idea that any of the plot points were confirmed but it's like he apparently has some genetic engineering done where he mm -hmm. like slowed his aging and stuff like that and there, there was more explanations i think behind his character so yeah i do wonder if it's the COVID thing or it's just a product of rewrites just deciding like okay we'll just de-emphasize the villain but regardless yeah. whatever it was it, it really did him a disservice yeah which sucks he was i it's my favorite thing i've ever seen rami malek do he was pretty good mm -hmm. um, yeah no i agree yeah and, and one, like one other thing too is yeah. just that like i think that like a bond movie kind of lives and dies based off of its villain and mm. this one was really hurt by that yeah yeah and like I actually kind of liked the way their final showdown happened. Like mm -hmm. if, if there would have been more motivation behind it, it would have been really meaningful. I think like oh, the, yeah. the location where it took, yeah. like it really would have driven mm -hmm. home, especially like showing that he had closed the, 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 the bay doors or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, like it was just like, like that's an Oh shit moment where it's like, Oh man, he's going to have to do that again. <laughs> and yeah. Like, right. Um, and like, even just the way he like kills him is really brutal, which is cool. Like mm -hmm. it was the first time I feel like we've seen Bond be brutal since Casino Royale. Yeah. Um, and so I, like, I liked everything about that on paper, but just like, there was nothing in the film to get me to care about it besides like, Oh, this is kind of neat. Right. Yeah. It, Cause they didn't have enough of a connection for it. Mm -hmm. Like that brutality to really get sold or their antagonism to really mean much. And in yeah. some ways it kind of makes me think that we would have been better served in some ways by Blofeld just being the final bad guy yeah. or getting, escaping or something. And like that, that was their final showdown. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, I feel like that's the better version of the movie. Right. Um, yeah. Even though I don't like Christoph Waltz's performance as Blofeld, I think that would no. be more meaningful. Um, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. I wasn't a big fan of Spectre or the Blofeld portrayal or the fact that, you know, he was the author of all Bond's pain, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, in, in the last movie, because it made no sense. But at the very least, I think it would have done a better job of both tying up the loose ends and also making this film itself feel a little bit more meaningful and, and short. poignant. Yes. Right. I, I, and actually, that's the other thing is if you're going to go and make like a capper type movie, and then you kind of like glom on this other, but it's also its own thing plot. It just contributes to the whole thing feeling bloated, where if it had just been like kind of Spectre Part Two, but better, yeah, I think it would have been shorter and a better film, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Especially like I feel like it would be really meaningful to have Blofeld like be the one who killed Bond. I mean, he's not, but mm, right. he, he kind of yeah. is. Like he's mm -hmm. like his actions of like putting the virus that's coded to, so the the big like villain plan in the movie is that he's creating this virus that's coded to specific genetic patterns. And uh, he so at the end of the film, he puts the virus that is coded to Madeline and Mathilde, who is Bond's kid, which we haven't even talked about yet, oh, um, yeah. uh, onto Bond's, which means he would never be able to see them again if he got off the island even. Um, mm -hmm. And so then Bond just decides to, like, take himself out of the equation and sacrifice himself so that he doesn't even have to live with, you know, thinking about Madeline and Mathilde out there. Yeah. Uh, not being able to be with him right which like on paper pretty meaningful um mm -hmm. but like if you would have had christoph waltz do it, it would have been re i think really effective yes yeah i agree with you um and th that all this kind of like lays bare to me another issue with it which is like did did he really need to get infected with that virus like he was already shot by the bad guy as it was and like seemed like he was pretty hurt by that and like it didn't like there wasn't enough time for him to escape and it feels like once again this is a consequence of rewrites or something like that where like do we need to go and add like he's been shot plus he's now infected with nanobots like to be the reason why he dies like why can't one or the other be the reason it almost looked like, like they're adding on reasons to be like okay like trust this guys we, we know that like you won't buy him just being shot and dying so he needs to be shot and dying and have nanobots and get killed by a missile strike for you to like accept I think, that he's dead i think people <laughs> would have been 
upset if he would have just like stayed on the island because he got shot. Like, I feel like that feels very unbond by having it be, because it's not a, the nanobots aren't infecting him with a virus. It's infecting him right. with something that will kill. Uh, uh, yeah. And so that provides like an emotional hook that makes it feel like a heroic sacrifice rather than just like, mm -hmm. oh, we killed this motherfucker. You know, like it's yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. feel like the tone of that, I, I, I think that I would rather it be the nanobots thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, I think that's more effective than just like, ah, he got shot. Like it, that would be like a, a kill your heroes thing that like, once again, kind of like last Jedi or even like, um, right. uh, what's the M night well, glass. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I get that. I respect that. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that, but then in a way, um, if the idea is that like, a gunshot's not enough to kill him or get the audience to accept it, I kind of feel like the fact that he has nanobots and like can't touch his wife or his kid. I understand it, but it's like, well, wouldn't you still rather like live and like be able to talk to them on Zoom or something like that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you, you know what I mean. Like, it was just like, oh yeah, we've been there, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't know. Like, if, maybe this is too cliche, but I almost rather be like the blast doors get closed, and so the missile strike like hits the base but like basically is ineffective and so he's forced to kind of blow it up from the inside and then he takes himself out like like he makes some affirmative action rather than kind of just like accept his death you understand what i'm saying like yeah yeah, yeah. I, I don't i'm not a huge fan of him like passively being taken out and giving up and it's not quite giving up but it, i'd rather him like do something more affirmative where he himself like is the way he goes out in a blaze of glory um because yeah. it doesn't quite sit right to me that like I, I don't know like yeah like being able to not like touch your kids and, and maybe like physically be close to them would be tough but uh i don't know like i, I, I still think i prefer to like know that they're living and alive and, and be alive myself <laughs> but I, yeah I don't know. yeah uh, no i agree i mean i think i think it's um i think it's good enough ish like it's i don't know i I think they threaded the needle like okay with killing that character um, because mm -hmm. it's, it's it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, right. So to to do that, I thought, I, and maybe this too is, I'm always probably gonna be a little more gentle on something that brushes up against on Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is my favorite mm -hmm. Bond movie, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and that has like that's the one where his wife dies. Uh, it's also the only George Lazenby one, which sucks because he's good in that movie. But um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's the only other one that really makes Bond like kind of emotional, um, like an mm. emotionally driven character. Uh, right. And uh, I really like that take on that character. So you know, this one brushes up really heavily against it in a couple ways. Like it put the Louis Armstrong song at the end, and I was like, all right, all right. Mm -hmm. all right mm -hmm. i see what you did yeah um i i respect it uh it, it didn't quite like hit the way i wanted it to for me personally i it, agree with and that I, yeah and, and i don't know like i can't explain it because um it, rogue one has a very similar-esque ending yeah, um and, and, but like it hit with me more and, and maybe it's partially because like as much as I like the characters in Rogue One, they're not like iconic characters the way James Bond is. And so mm -hmm. I, I think that maybe there's like a certain like treatment or way of going out. I expect a character like that to like leave on. And, and I didn't quite satisfy my sense of, of like what a, a way to treat like an icon is on his way out. But um, I, at the very least, I like the idea of what happened. It's just the execution of it was a little messy. Yeah, that's true. I don't think it's gross, you know? Like, that's what I yeah. mean by threading the needle. Like, it didn't feel like they were just, like, disposing no. of him. No, right, yeah, yeah, I agree. It wasn't callous. Like, I think that, like, yes. they actually were trying to do it in a tender way. Mm -hmm. um, and I just don't know if, like, the way it added up was was the greatest for me personally. But I can respect someone who feels differently on that. What, what did you think about Craig overall in this movie? Because he's been pretty hit or miss over the course of his yeah. five years. Um, I mean, I feel like he tried his hardest, maybe since, I don't know, like, Casino Royale. Yes. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I do think that, like, he kind of maybe reinvigorated his passion a little bit with this one. I felt like a little more glimmer behind his eyes. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so he worked for me more in this one. 
there was a couple part, parts though where I felt like he was kind of acting very un James Bond like and more just like Daniel Craig y if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um and that took me out of it a little bit. But um overall I thought it was his probably most solid effort since maybe Quantum of Solace. I'd say Quantum of Solace was his last great attempt at Bond. Yeah, I don't remember enough about it. Um but I remember mm. not liking that movie. <laughs> so yeah. um uh, I can't speak to that, but it was funny. I was thinking about it and I was like, man, why are people so like, you know, pe- I saw a lot of people who were like, I'm really going to miss Daniel Craig. I'm really going to miss him uh, as, as James Bond. And I was thinking about it and I was like, yeah, I'm going to miss him too. Like I, and I like Daniel Craig and I, you know, I really like him in Knives Out. I really like him in Logan Lucky. Um, and I really like him in Casino Royale, but I was thinking about it and I was like, wow, people are really going to miss him. And he's only good in one of these. That's wild. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right yeah um but i did um, think he was good in this um mm-hmm. i thought he sold the emotionality of like bond uh at the end mm-hmm. like it, killing himself uh essentially um yeah. i thought he did a good job also shout out i don't know who the cinematographer was on this movie but they did a very good job and maybe in the color correction too showing off mm-hmm. those baby blues which is i think has always mm-hmm. been tough for uh daniel craig yes yeah no i agree um and I do agree that, like, I think he tried his damnness, especially at the end, um, mm-hmm. to sell the emotion. So um, kudos to him. You know, I agree his tenure, I think, has been kind of inconsistent, as, you know, most Bonds are. Um, but, you know, I, I think he brought it home. And at the very least, um, I think he's had a better send off than some of the other people who portrayed Bond did, as in some of them didn't really have send offs at all. Like um, Lazenby, who said they set yeah. him up for a sequel and just didn't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, I mean, there are some aspects about this ending that didn't really work in the sense of, you know, just touching briefly on the daughter stuff. I think she's just introduced too late into the film. There's just too many things that I think got introduced mm-hmm. a little too late for you to care. And so, like, the audience gets introduced to Matilda, Bond's daughter with Madeline, who you know, he didn't know about. And like maybe what the last third of the film, and then he doesn't really know for sure it's her daughter until you know really close to the end. Of course, the audience already kind of suspects something. Yeah. Um, but it, he maybe like gets one scene with her really. <laughs> That's about it. And yeah, when he's cooking her food or whatever. It's just not enough time spent between the two of them to sell like his sacrifice for her sake. Um, it, it's kind of imputing a lot of your real world feelings about you know your hypothetical kids or you know yeah. what, whatever yeah. instead of selling you on the dynamic between these two characters yeah that's fair uh, um her presence does bring my favorite joke in the movie which is uh when madeline's like they put matilda to bed and she's mm-hmm. like i need to show you something else and he's like is it another child yeah that <laughs> was a laugh. good joke yeah, yeah i yeah. thought that was really funny um yes yeah. I, I just feel like in a better movie she could have been introduced much earlier in the film and they develop a relationship some more, but they're so stuck on making like a bond movie with its formula that like, they kind of just shove it in at the end. Like, Oh, by the way, he's got a kid, you know, yeah. and when most of the movie's already done. Um, it, yeah. It'd be cliched, but you know, he actually spends time with her and develops a relationship or like the way Logan does with like X 23 mm-hmm. and, and Logan or, you know, something equivalent to that. Yeah. Um, what did you think about some of the more fan servicey stuff in the movie? Mm. Like what in particular are you are you thinking of? Um, so uh, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll go to, to give you yeah, an example. Yeah. There's a ton of references to other James Bond movies in this. Like there's uh, the Her Majesty's Secret Service stuff, like mm-hmm. him, him saying we have all the time in the world, including the, and then the Louis Armstrong song, we have all the time in the right. world at the end. Um, the opening credits have a Dr. No reference um, with mm-hmm. the dots um, uh, starting right. in the opening credits. Uh, the opening credits have a Casino Royale reference with the hands on the clock mm-hmm. being the, the suits of cards. Uh, they do a couple gun barrels, one of him literally mm-hmm. doing a gun barrel in a tunnel. And then one of like, yeah. they, they kind of put the button on the movie with uh, Madeline Matilde going down, uh, like mm-hmm. driving into a tunnel, and she says, "I'm going to tell you about this man named James Bond." And that, like, mm-hmm. the way they shoot it looks like the gun barrel, like that kind of stuff. You know, um, it was it was 
fine, but I think we've gotten to a stage now where the Bond movies have gotten so self-referential for so long uh, that they, it's kind of diminishing returns for me. Like when when Madeline's like, "Let me tell you about a man named Bond, James Bond." Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, like okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like. I think that they think it's more clever than it is, but they've made so many kind of variations of that type of joke. Maybe not even they themselves, but through parody culture, you know, Austin Powers type things and take offs and send ups that um, a lot of that stuff, it, it just bounces right off of me. Like, I don't care. I don't get angry about it. It's just, um, and it's something I feel like they've been doing for a while now, but it really like got accelerated when they had like, the 20th Bond film. Oh my God. Because, you know, numbers are so important with like Die Another Day and have like reference like a bunch of stuff like cues, like scenes and stuff like that. It's just, um, it's just diminishing returns for me. It, it doesn't mean anything either way for me. How about you? What did you think? Um, I mostly liked it actually. Like I was, it, mm. it kind of like, you know, gonna say it sounds weird to say like reinvigorated my yeah. like i think it showed it showed a way to do fan service in a really like clever way mostly and i'll I'll get to that in a second but like when the so like when he said we have all the time in the world i kind of knew it was like even based on the last one i kind of thought mm. like the rumor for the last one is that it was going to be basically a remake of on her majesty's secret service so when mm. he said that i was like okay they're really leaning heavily onto the honor majesty secret service thing that's fine whatever um but then the doctor no dots at to start off the credits really impressed me like mm. i i was like oh neat like i really yeah. really like that and then like i thought the, the 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 clock hands were cool um i thought it was a cool way to especially to bring in like especially this era of bond and like connect yeah. it back to the first movie um Really didn't like when he shot the gun in the gun barrel in the tunnel. Yeah. I really yeah. was like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a bit much. Yeah. Uh, but I kind of liked the button they put on it at the end with the gun barrel in the tunnel thing. Like, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's actually, like, kind of, like, a cute, like, clever way, especially to end, like, the, the Craig legacy of um Mm. this like i i like that actually maybe more than i should have um Mm -hmm. and then the the louis armstrong song like i was like okay you know i i i I respected it because once again i love on her majesty's secret service but um it did like and and i do think that it didn't lean super heavily on the formula of that movie it's a very different film um and not just because james bond dies at the end of it but it's like the story is completely different like they didn't even try to remake it um Mm -hmm. so i was like okay i'll let him have that one you know (laughs) yeah 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 Um, you know some of them were fine with me like yeah the way it ended i thought besides the line which kind of made me go roll my eyes a bit like yeah ending it with the gun barrel tunnel i think is clever um but yeah the actual shooting in the tunnel part was like okay all right like this is like the second time we've seen a gun barrel thing already in this movie you know um i and like the the thing is the best gun barrel of all time is in casino royale so like (laughs) right yeah exactly that one's earned for sure yeah uh it's so cool um Mm -hmm. i had one more thing and i don't remember what it was uh what was it we talked about dan craig's performance we talked about rami malek uh daughter stuff um song's not really worth mentioning either way (laughs) nope (laughs) no yeah it's fine it's better than the last one yeah but you know at the same time it kind of has like a dirge like theme to it and it kind of set the tone for the rest of the movie feeling kind of like a slog at some points too mm-hmm. so it, it was appropriate for the movie but man the movie kind of needed something a little peppier i feel like yeah i agree especially with like you're gonna kick off with like you know my name and that mm-hmm. song's great and like really upbeat and, and cool um yeah. but yeah craig's bond songs haven't been they've either, either been really bad or incredible like i think Skyfall's one right. of the best uh bond songs it it's really good it, my opinion of it's just tainted because it just was like overplayed like hell when it came out um but it, individually by itself it is a pretty strong song yeah um but he but, it's funny because he also has the worst james bond song so oof, yeah exactly um but, uh, yeah this one 
the Jack yeah, White. No Time to Die one. Yeah. Or Another Way to Die. Another Jack Way White to Die. Ones. God. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm a huge Jack White fan. Mm-hmm. That's it's also discordant all, mess. It's all so bad. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, I think uh, there was a Shirley Bassey like submission for it as well that they really? skipped over. Yeah. They chose Another Way to Die over it. And, well, that's and stupid. like you, yeah, it's available on YouTube. You can go and check it out. Um, that one was actually pretty good. It makes me angry that they didn't choose that one. Yeah, that um, Jack White song, because it's Jack White and Alicia Keys, and it just sounds like if you had two different iPods and you hit play on an Alicia Keys song and hit play on a Jack White song at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that's that's well said. Yeah, it, it's a tonal mess, man. Man, what a bad song. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's not what I wanted to talk about, though. It was something uh, else. The supporting cast at all? Uh, yeah, we can talk about that. So uh, Ray finds us back as M. Uh, Jeffrey Wright is back as Felix Leiter. Um, oh, what's her name? Uh, Naomi Harris. Naomi as, Harris. Yeah. Um, yeah, Money Penny, and then Lashana Lynch as the new 007. Yeah. What did you think about them? Um, you know. I, they're okay. They're all right. They're kind of like continuing this like supporting cast uh, thing that they had going on in Spectre a little bit. We're all kind of like working together. Um, I think someone pointed this out online. It's not an original thought. Like I don't really know what they know what they're doing with M at all anymore. Because like the last movie, he was all against like this surveillance state making 007s outdated, and then in this movie, he's all about making a nano machine tech that's gonna make 007s outdated. So. Yeah. Uh, or double O's outdated. So I was like, wait, what, what? Like, what does this character even stand for besides just kind of being like whatever they need him to be in any particular movie? Um, you know, I guess maybe the point of maybe most contention or interest would be the new 007. Yeah. I I didn't like her that much. I, I was open to the idea. Like, I'm totally fine with, like, obviously he's retired, so there'll be a new 007, but yeah, it just kind of like play one joke with her, which is that like, I'm 007 now and you're not <laughs> and like, okay. But it's like yeah. literally nothing else to her character besides that. Um, like, like you don't really get a sense of what her wants or needs are at all in it. And, and like, that's like every single interaction with her revolves around that in some way. And, and they could have just done more with her, I feel like, or just yeah. combine her with the Paloma character. Like, I don't understand why there's two characters that are kind of like functionally new ish agents <laughs> And yeah. then like, but like one drops out of the film and then one stays in it. It makes very little sense to me. Yeah. I, she, yeah, she, I think she has Rami Malek disease in this where it's just like, um, you could have been cool. Like, I think she's like, yeah. I think she's charismatic when she's on screen. Like I didn't have a problem mm-hmm. with her, but like, right. I, she didn't do anything. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. um right. there was like towards the end, I kind of like, the 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 and maybe I'm just a sucker for this kind of stuff, but the them like getting over their differences and working together type of stuff, I always like. I think yeah. and so like that. I think that's the stuff that works the best in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but like getting there with her, like there's nothing that happens. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it, and even though like I also like those kind of things, she hadn't been like antagonistic enough throughout the movie to make her like kind of joining forces with him feel like a big enough deal because like mm-hmm. yeah you already kind of knew functionally they're on the same side maybe you know temporarily they kind of were at cross ends but like otherwise cross purposes but otherwise they're kind of working together for most of the movie yeah. separately um so even that like wasn't as quite the perfect button as i would have hoped yeah that's true this is the most i think i've like ray finds as m and i think it's because <laughs> He's this is gonna sound mean, I guess. He's older and fatter, and uh, he, just, he looks more like he should be in charge of like a secret service in, in this yeah. than he has in any of the other ones. Yeah, he's he's, he's more bureaucratic than ever. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And best I remember, the idea behind the nano machine stuff wasn't to make the doubles outdated. It was to prevent the collateral damage so that they could take like one shot. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I might be a little uncharitable. It's just it, they kind of like make him a shady person in this one, which is okay direction. But then they also kind of drop it. Yeah, they drop it immediately. A lot of consequences. So it, they don't go as far with some of their ideas as I feel like they should. And then they like 
don't do some ideas at all, which is interesting. This is a very weird choice in this film. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really like Naomi Harris. That's her name. Mm-hmm, yeah. I think she's a great money penny. I really like her. I've always mm-hmm. liked her. Um, uh, yeah, no, she, she's good. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, oh, yeah, no, she she's good. I almost kind of wish it, they just made her a double O or something again or yeah. something. And she would have been on the missions too, but I you know whatever they have to go and do what they have to do, I guess. Yeah. Um, I wish Ben Wishaw would have been, would have given, been given more to do. Like mm. he just kind of ends up as like guy on the chair, like from Spider-Man or whatever. But <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I liked his final interactions with Bond, like being the one who really has to communicate with him about the decision mm. he's making. Um, I thought Ben Wishaw did a good job, like c- communicating the emotions of that. Um, yeah. But there is a, a large part of me that whenever he's on screen, I'm just like, hee hee, you're Paddington. Um, so, <laughs> so, so, which I guess isn't his fault, but <laughs> there is just me who just puts like a mocap Paddington over him uh, <laughs> when he's doing stuff in live action. So, oh, holy shit, that makes this movie so much better. <laughs> I do it all the time. I had to rewatch Cloud Atlas for class last year. It's a movie I really <laughs> like, but I, every time he's on screen, I was just like, that's Paddington. <laughs> Oh, uh, now we, this is the crossover we need. <laughs> no Paddington um, to die. <laughs> oh, but this movie itself had a lot of padding. <laughs> yeah, um, dude, and also plenty of time to die, which happens. So, yes, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. This one's like a tough one for me because it's like. I don't know, a six out of 10 or something for me. Maybe if I'm being generous, like a seven out of 10, but I don't know if I can go that far. I didn't hate it. It's like, it's a weird thing for me. Yeah. It, it, I mean, I am looking forward to watching it with the rest of them. Like, I'm not like dreading having to see it again. I'm not having to, no one's going to force me to do it. But like, this is a movie that is willingly, when it comes out and becomes available, it is willingly going to make me watch all of Daniel Craig's James Bond movies, which I don't necessarily want to do, <laughs> but I, I want to see if like watching them straight through, like, like literally in like a couple days, like I want to do it really quick to see yeah. if like I have like less problems with the cohesive storytelling in it, because I don't actually mm. like that, that part yeah. of Craig's of entire run. Um, but I think this was like a decent enough button for it. And mm. I don't think like James Bond fans are going to be upset. They don't seem to be, but I don't think they're going to be like over the moon about it either. Like, yeah. I know a lot of people seem to be liking it. And like, you know, if, you know, if I'm, if I'm submitting this review to Rotten Tomatoes or whatever, I'm putting fresh on it. Right. Like if, if it's the mm-hmm. binary choice of like good, bad, I'm going to lean more towards good. Like I liked more of it than I didn't. And like the stuff I liked, I liked more than the stuff that I didn't like. Yeah, didn't that's like fair. It. Um, so, yeah. I mean, you know, most movies are kind of that way. Um, most movies mm-hmm. are just kind of fine. Um, yeah, yeah. It's the first time I think in a while that we've just kind of been like, yeah, that that was a totally fine movie rather than just like outright hitting it, which is yeah. refreshing in some ways. Yeah. You know, like, I know we were just talking. Yeah, yeah. I'd say it's mostly serviceable. I think it matches the average quality of the Craig movies, which is like, mm. to me, you know, I think the first two, well, the first one itself was fantastic the second one's a step down and i thought the last two were pretty garbage and so the average quality of them to me is like probably about like a seven out of ten or six out of ten um so it, it kind of fits like the quality of, of the series with craig so far um but you know i will say in reference to like these discussions that we had about do we need another james bond movie that's like an open question that being said there's about this type of filmmaking that we don't get a lot of anymore like this movie looked expensive. Like they filmed on a lot yeah. of locations yeah, um, and, and pretty expansive sets. And, and that is something that we definitely need more of is there was a real tactile quality to this film. Like it, it felt like, you know, you got a real globe trotting adventure and that's something I really do miss in a mm-hmm. film and, and seeing that. And, and, you know, there's just so many movies that are behind green screens and yeah. with superpowers. And, you know, I mean, obviously there's CG bullshit in this movie too, but it, yeah, there's an attempt at grounded physicality and practical stunts as well. And, you know, I really do truly appreciate that. Like that improves my appreciation for this film probably more than it deserves as an actual plot. 
Um, and, and, you know, I, it's hard to discount that we, we have lost that kind of filmmaking a lot over the last decade or two. Yeah, no, I agree. But at the same time, aren't we getting that from the Mission Impossible movies? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is definitely true, you know, too. Um, yeah, I mean, and even John Wick, you know, he went to Rome yeah. in one of them. And, you know, so, um, you know, there's also some of that as well. Um, but you know, I just think that, like, those are the only two I can even think of, though, that, that approach yeah. this kind of scale. So, you know, there's only if there's only three of these series, and then meanwhile we have you know twenty thousand superhero movies that don't do this, then I'd yeah. still appreciate it. That's true. That's that's a, that's a fair point. Um, yeah. Do you have any other thoughts on No Time to Die? Uh, no, that pretty much covers all of it. I mean, it's way more than I expected to talk about it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I'm I I won't say don't see it if you're not interested. Like I can't, you know. If if you want to see mm-hmm. it, you should probably see it. You know, and it's a it's a it looks cool big. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, it's cool to see it in a theater. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I say, you know, if you're going to watch it or you're thinking about it, just go and watch it. That's, yep. that's how I think of it. Hey, breaking news. Uh, Robert Mayo, who has been on previous uh, James Bond episodes, uh, just texted me, I liked NTTD a lot. Oh, all right. Interesting. Yep. So. Well. He just he just watched all of Craig's movies though. Uh see, yeah. I, I could see how that would really enhance like your feelings about this one. Yep. Um so yeah, I I that's what that's the thing that made me interested in it is I was like, I like this okay, but I wonder mm. if I took in all of these movies if I would like it a lot. Because I feel it feels like a movie that I would. <laughs> um yeah, if that yeah. makes sense. Like if I really no, like, sat down with them all and like just like plowed through them, I would, I would really like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be an interesting experiment once they're all in a Daniel Craig box set to go and revisit all of it in like a night or two. Yeah. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I, I will report back maybe. <laughs> um, all right. All right. Yeah. The uh, dumb, dumb episode. <laughs> yeah. Did you, uh, did you have any, anything you wanted to plug? Mm, I mean, not really. No. Um, other than, uh, check out Penance, which is on YouTube. It's a short mm-hmm. film I made with uh, Corey Tindall. It also stars Missy Lonsinger, who's another co-host of this podcast, and uh, as well as several other faces that you might recognize from other films, including also newcomers to our films. So um, please check that out, as well as um, its prequel, which you could go and find. But um, Vengeance is kind of the main, or sorry, Penance is the main attraction. Vengeance, Vengeance is kind of the prequel that you watch after penance so there's my plug um i co-host let's jaws for a minute with sarah buttery um which is a minute by minute breakdown of uh the film jaws which uh sounds crazy but we're almost done with it we have less than we're 54 episodes in which is wild to me um out of a total of like 80 or something um Mm. so yeah you can check that out wherever podcasts are podcasted um we'll be back relatively soon from when you're hearing this if you're hearing this close to release with uh an in-person uh recording of our thoughts on dune i think um so look out for that um i think it'll be interesting i don't know what i'm gonna think about that movie at all (laughs) i have no idea yeah yeah i I think think it'll be an interesting one to do a podcast on though Mm-hmm. yeah this one i have no expectations for so yeah like I i'm looking forward to it i don't know what to make of it whatsoever <laughs> whatsoever like yeah i it's 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 weird because it's like i watch the trailers and i'm just like i feel like i should have strong feelings about this but i can't mm-hmm. figure out what they are either way but it's not yeah. exactly excitement and it's not exactly mm-hmm. not excitement mm-hmm. yeah no that's well said yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting one. I, I think ultimately, I'm not sure if it's going to be solved or not, because this film itself is not going to resolve the yeah, that's true. It's even the first book. <laughs> yeah. So I would say that we'll still be feeling incomplete. That's my prediction. Yeah, and I'll be. I think by the time we record, I'll probably be around the part of the book where the movie ends. I just started listening to the book on on mm-hmm. audiobook, so. 
I don't know. I don't know anything about the story. I don't know. Like, I don't really know anything. My main, my main Dune frame of reference is the incredible board game Dune Imperium, uh, which is one of my favorite games and easily the best game of the year it came out. And my experience with the book so far is hearing the names pronounced and being like, wasn't saying that right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all I know about Dune. <laughs> it's, I don't know what the actual story is um, outside of the like two hours I've listened to of the book. So we'll see. Um, yeah. Uh, stay tuned. We, uh, your guess is as good as ours, I think, um, for that. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah. Uh, anything else? Oh, um, I am going to be on a, a podcast. It's been recorded. It won't be out until early November. Um, but I was a guest on a podcast called the Beard Al podcast. That's B-E-E-R apostrophe D Al, which, uh, as you can tell from the title, is a podcast about beer and Weird Al Yankovic. Um, mm. And I was on there to talk about uh, songs that were particularly in the LimeWire era misattributed to Weird Al. So songs people always said were by Weird Al, but were in fact not mm. by Weird Al. Um, so that will be available sometime in early November, but I don't know when exactly. But uh, yeah, go give them a listen because it's a fun show. And also I'll be back. Uh, I'll be back in the spring to talk about something else on that show. But uh, I'll let you figure that out at the end of the episode. Sweet. Yep. Um, until next time, d dying's the bad guy? Yeah, or or not dying because there's or no time not, for it. Not having enough time to die is the bad guy. No comma time to die. <laughs> that should have been Rami Malek's final line. <laughs> You're right. Uh, missed opportunity. Oh, that's the that's the thing. That's the thing. The one-liners. Oh. <laughs> Frank gets one-liners in this movie for like the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm, I don't know. I, I I didn't like it. I didn't like it either. Anyway. They weren't good. Yeah, no, they weren't good, and you didn't sell them. You didn't sell them. That's the thing. I don't care that they're not good. They're supposed to be yeah. not good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When he said that the watch blew that guy's mind, I was like, mm, could have done yeah. a lot better with it. Yeah, I, I would have been fine with like the first half of when he said it, which was like, I, I showed him your watch cue or something like that. I just like ended it there, but yeah. no, then like blowing his mind like. Ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leave that for Roger Moore. He did that the best. Yes, yeah. The ultimate purveyor of like dad jokes because he was like your granddad jokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Okay, yeah. Uh, having no time to die is the bad guy.